When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here from NJ.com, bringing you the latest episode of the Talk Is Cheap podcast. I am here with Daryl Slater. Uh, we're, we get to do a, a positive podcast about the New York Giants, which I don't think we expected to do this week. They got one of their biggest wins in a long time. Um, I think you could argue this or the Seahawks game from last year is the biggest they've had in many years. But considering everything that went into this game, this one might be bigger. But they beat the Saints in New Orleans in overtime. You know, they, they didn't make it easy. They had to come back at the end, but but they pulled it off. Like, how, how surprised were you by this result on Sunday? I mean, shocked. <laughs> shocked. Yeah. Not not necessarily even that they won. And I think if you look at the game from the beginning, neither of us thought they would win going in. But then you see this team down 11 points with seven minutes to go, and you think, okay, it's over. I think we were both writing our stories that point at that point, like, okay, game's over. In most cases, the probability is the game is over there. And then all of a sudden, Saquon Barkley catches the long touchdown, and, and away they go. This offense that had not done a whole lot, surging to the finish line. And, uh, I mean, it was a pretty gutsy comeback win uh, for a team that was shorthanded on offense, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, They, I think the Giants, in a decision that I probably didn't agree with, it's like fourth and like eight, uh, like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Giants are in Saints territory. They're on like the 40-something, so it's not like they're that close. But Joe Judge decided to punt it at that point, and they're down 11 points. So the odds of, like, you winning the game from that moment on are pretty low. You need everything to go right. And then it did. You know, they, they scored that sake on play. They got stops on defense. Um, they worked their way up the field again, got a field goal. And then in overtime, they worked their way up the field. Great play to Kenny Galladay on the sideline where he, like, ran. He, he had some good uh, yards after the catch. And then Saquon Barkley ran it home. Um, like, the, the biggest takeaway, though, is probably has to be Daniel Jones, right? Yeah, I mean, four games in, and yeah, he's had a couple turnovers. Uh, obviously, the interception Sunday, it's almost a Hail Mary throw it. Yeah, throw it out. shouldn't really count. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, he has been, you know, good to very good throughout this yeah. year. And he has... A baseline of good, yeah. Which which is a big step forward for him after a year of regression last year in his second season. And so uh, he went out and he won that game uh, for them. Protection helped, yeah. Skill guys helped, yeah. And we talk a lot about putting pieces around Daniel Jones to help him. But you know what? Let's give him some credit here. A guy who's doing a better job of seeing the field and being more decisive with his, with his throws. And you see how that pays off in like really big in a really big spot on the road. Now they're going to go play another big spot road game, which we'll, we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, I think the Giants have to be very encouraged. Yeah, you know, at, at the very least, you know, he's not he, – he's like shown that he's capable of – elevating things around him and you know the offensive line has been giving him time which I think is maybe the biggest shocker of all um but yeah he's not making the same mistakes he's they're taking shots downfield finally and you saw like on the John Ross touchdown the first one of the first throws he had of the game was just a beautifully placed ball where there were two defenders he put it only where John could get it and you know he's made a lot of plays like that and the Saquon play another one that he you know he was patient waiting for Saquon to get open that was a play that he and Saquon saw earlier in the game and they talked about it and they saw that they might be able to get it and it was against Marshawn Lattimore who's an all-pro cornerback 
and yeah, you know, he just he just has like a command of the game in a way that I don't think I expected, and he's lived up to all the expectations, and it almost, I mean, I guess he's exceeded the expectations for I sure. Say. But you know, it, it it almost makes you makes you wonder retroactively if like if this was there the whole time, you know, if they just weren't willing to like take the shots down the field last year. He he cut down the turnovers last year. He didn't really throw many interceptions, especially second half of the year. Um, and and this was like. This game and the the Washington game, to an extent, were the first ones where Jason Garrett finally was like taking shots downfield, having his receivers run different rounds. I think John Ross, just his mere presence, um, kind of opened things up. Especially once he had that long touchdown, then all of a sudden the defense is starting to tell each other that to get back, so you have to watch out for him, and that kind of opens things up in the middle of the field for the short routes. And you know, you, you, all, all the questions we had pretty much were answered, except for maybe the pass rush because you look at Kadarius Tony. Looked great. All of a sudden, he's the most popular guy in town. You know, he had a he had a play where he caught the ball. It was third and seventeen. He caught like it one yard beyond the line of scrimmage, and then juked his way to the to get a first down. <laughs> so he got seventeen yards after the catch, essentially, um, which was really impressive. He looked really good. Kenny Galladay's is the best game he played. And they weren't even like necessarily doing what you normally would expect from him. It was a lot of yards after the catch instead of like contested plays. And Saquon looked good. And you know. And this was without Sterling Shepard, without Darius Slayton. They had another new left guard. Like, they missed a lot of tackles on defense, and they still just pulled it out. It was really just impressive win, and it's almost like, I mean, again, if they lose on Sunday against the Cowboys, then, you know, they're, you're back to kind of square one because one and four is tough to get out of. But, you know, you feel a little better about this team's chances of, you know, they're, they're probably not going to get killed by anybody, you would think. Maybe the Chiefs or Bucks or whatever. But if Daniel Jones has the baseline of this, then they can, they can stay in games at least. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think. I mean, a team that collapses back-to-back weeks, week two, week three, again, week three against a very bad Falcons team, for them to turn around and go down and beat you know, probably a good but not great Saints team in a really, albeit a really tough environment, is uh, – you know, quite the opposite result. I mean, you talk about how things, how quickly things can change in the NFL, and they and they can, uh, if you're a team that either has resilience or doesn't. You know, you know, you can go from winning obviously one week to just f- f- wilting against a bad team. Giants did it the opposite way. They wilted against a bad team. They came back and won in a tough setting. And yeah, like we'll see what this means for the big picture down the road. It doesn't mean a whole lot if they can't stack some wins. Look, after the Seahawks game last year, they went and. Uh, went right back into the toilet, and yep. they, you know, yeah, and the Ravens destroyed them. Yeah. They couldn't hold up. You know, it did, the wind didn't help hold up. So yeah. let's see if this wind holds up. I think the one point you brought up about throwing the ball down the field, the one difference between that Washington game and in this Saints game was the line was able to do a better job yeah. of protecting. If you look at the PFF grades coming out of that for the line for the Giants line in that Washington game versus the Saints game, you're talking about one of their worst games versus one of their best. I mean, this is I went back and looked. This is the best pass blocking PFF grade the Giants have had in a game since 2019. So it was better than any of their games last yeah. year by, by a lot. I mean, they were the worst pass blocking team in the NFL on PFF last year. Yeah, and so they did a, a really nice and look, let's give another guy credit who has gotten hammered a lot. We talk about Jones getting hammered in terms of is he is he a bust of a pick, which is all fair, all fair questions based on the results. Another guy who's gotten a lot of those questions, all fair, again, coming out of last year is Andrew Thomas. Yeah. Right now, Andrew Thomas is one of the best tackles in the NFL, again, based on how PFF grades it. but um, I mean, he's, he, only, he's only given up six pressures the entire season, yeah. no sacks. At this point last year, I think it's something like 17 pressures, three sacks, three hits. The guy get, gave up 57 pressures yeah. last year, second most. And he's on, he's on pace to be among, like, the. I mean, he's... Graded, I mean, Mekhi Becton's injured, but I think he showed up out of shape, which I think was a factor when you were deciding to pick him anyway. Um, 
I think I think he's graded out better as a pass blocker than Werfs and uh, Jedrick Wills. So like, yeah. again, like like you said, it was fair to make those criticisms, especially the first half of last year, coming out of last year. Everybody always said, you know, he didn't have a preseason. Those guys didn't either. So I don't know if that necessarily like it's an excuse generally, but like all we can do is compare him to the guys they didn't draft. And now he looks like the real deal. Like, yeah. you know, maybe they drafted him because they thought he'd be ready quicker, but not all, some guys it takes longer. And if he's he's playing like this, it changes everything. Because I think. And I think Rob Sale deserves a lot of credit in the offensive line coaching room because I still don't think the talent is there on the offensive line, but they, like, got them ready. And I think that's a sign of good coaching because, you know, Matt Skura, he's, a, like, a kind of a veteran guy. He's, I mean, he's only his fifth year, but he's played a lot. He never played left guard before. He played well. Um, Billy Price improved. He looked pretty rough. He just joined the team a month ago. Will Hernandez has had his struggles this year, last year, since he came to the NFL. Um, I didn't notice him making too many mistakes. Even Nate Solder has looked pretty good. Um, and to the point where he plays every snap at right tackle, I, maybe that's an indictment on Matt Parrott. But, like, I, I, I don't – four out of the five offensive linemen, like, it wouldn't surprise me if four of those guys weren't starters for this team next year, and that's kind of crazy to think about. And this is a group that didn't allow a single sack, and I don't think they allowed a QB hit against the Saints, and the Saints have some good pass rushers. Yeah, I mean, we'll see on the long-term viability yeah. of Solder. For one Hernandez, week, it was impressive. For yeah. Hernandez, but you, you, you talk about the one guy who you looked at and said, well, Nick Gates, but obviously he's hurt, but you said, here's a young guy who either want to build their line around, and that's Andrew Thomas, and you said, you know, you said it was six pressures. I actually wrote a little thing on him uh, earlier this week saying, like, maybe, maybe this line isn't as... The, the, the gist of it was, here's another opportunity for this line to play well. Because as much as we talked about the noise in New Orleans, the Saints have the worst pass rush in the NFL. The Cowboys are not very effective either. So here's another chance in a big road setting for the Giants line to play better than everyone expected. They're not going. The Giants line isn't going to come out of this and say, yeah, we play great, but they have bad PFF pass rush rating. Okay, they're not going to say that. Like this is a line that can't be picky and choosy. They got to play well even against the teams they should yep. play well against. And with Thomas, the, if you look at the pressures, it was two in the first game, two in the second. He's allowed one pressure in each of the last two games. That's crazy. Like, that is, that is I mean, insane. It, I mean, and that's probably average like 50 offensive snaps a game. Maybe not all yeah. of them are passing plays. They threw it a lot this last game. But, I mean, even Daniel Jones, who, you know, he, he kind of gives generalizations. He was like, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And then Thomas is playing that well. I think everybody knew that he was better than he showed last year. I think he's showing it now. And, you know, the, the ceiling of this team is a lot higher when you have, and I wrote about this in my in my day after story, when you have, like, the guys that you invested heavily in playing well. You know, they had, the, I think the four four cornerstones of the win, is what I called it, on uh, Sunday, you could say were Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, Kadarius Tony. Those are four of their last four first-round picks. That's like pretending Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker, like, aren't in the mix. Like, the top guys they drafted. Dexter made a couple plays. He still hasn't top done. Top draft. Yeah. He still hasn't done as much as a pass rusher as you need. But when you have, like, the, like the, again, we criticize Dave Gettleman a lot. I think you can question a lot of process and a lot of those picks. But, those, I mean, he deserves praise because these guys look talented. And when they're playing at their best, like, their talent level on offense is very intriguing. Like, they've, they can do so many different things. I think there's still debate about whether you can trust Jason Garrett to deploy them. He did a good job against the Saints. He still wasn't perfect. He's made a lot of questionable decisions, including the Evan Engram end around, which he's obsessed with because it worked once last year. Um, they did that in the red zone, and it failed miserably. Everybody in the building saw it coming. Do, to give it to Kadarius Tony on that play, not a guy that can make guys miss. If the offensive line's not making the holes. Anyway, um, the point being, like, they can just, like, throw, especially when, you know, Shepard and Slayton, who might return this week, when you have everybody available, they have so many different, like, things they can throw at the defenses. And it, it's very interesting. They have the most intriguing 
collection of weapons they've had in, I don't know, maybe since the Super Bowl years, if that even, because they just have so many different ways. You, can th- you have Kenny Galladay, who can go deep, and he's a possession guy. You have John Ross, Terry Slayton, deep guys, Kadarius Tony. I don't know if there's many receivers like him. Like I, Maybe he can't do a lot of the stuff as much like down the field and go up and get a ball, but he has some shiftiness I haven't really seen receivers before. And then you have Shepard, who's old reliable, and I don't know. I, 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 what do you think about this offense like going forward? Because you feel a little bit better just based on like the personnel they have at least. I think the person- like, personnel's not the problem anymore. Not not for skill wise. Yeah, for not sure. skill wise. Yeah, I think as you look at the line and just to revisit one thing, you're talking about giving Rob Sale some credit. And I we we did a big story at the end of last week about how the line had been pretty dismal, and they had been, and they were in a state of disarray. And those are kind of words I think we both use in the story. And one of the points that we brought up in the story, and and really only brought this up because Jeff Schwartz mentioned it. Yeah, I think Jeff is a pretty smart guy, but he kind of threw this out there as a hypothesis, not so much as like a hard and fast thing. Because I mean, he's not in the room, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he knows yeah. he knows what it, you know he's talking about. He said, you know. He wonders, do they have too many coaches? Do they have too many voices in the line room? I hadn't really thought of that. I thought it was an interesting point uh, because you do have Rob Sale. You do have Pat Flaherty. And then uh, Freddie Kitchens and uh, Ben Wilkerson. Ben Wilkerson. Of course, you're always going to have an assistant line coach, and that's Ben Wilkerson. But you really have three prominent coaches in terms of Freddie Kitchens, Rob Sale. Who they all have to – who they're getting different instruction from all three of them. Pat Flaherty. So – we got a chance to ask Andrew Thomas about. Of course, he's not going to say Andrew Thomas is not going to say it sucks. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did say, you know, That's you, unique, yeah. you do have to, t- to pick and choose what you what you um, what you digest from each coach's instruction. And one thing we saw at the end of last week, yep. I thought this was really interesting. Pat Flaherty was out here working for with like, for like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Rob Sale wasn't there. I presumably, he was doing something else. But like, uh, he was working with. So, so maybe. Maybe it is not as much of a liability as we thought for a young developing. Yeah, I would say, like maybe in, it helps. in the situation the Giants are in, might, which you know yeah. is a mess of their own making in general. But like when you have all these guys that are coming off the street, like maybe you need a veteran like Pat Flaherty, who's been here, who around forever, in here, and you know coach them up some great offensive lines. Freddie, they seem to trust his and value his opinion, and then you have Rob Sale, who's the coach. So maybe it'll, yeah. maybe they can so, make it work. So it may, but if this is a group of like veterans and you know guys you trust, and but they haven't had an offensive line like that in years here, so maybe that that was the thought process. It, it, it whether it works or not, it is a unique situation, and um, yeah, I'm very curious to see how that plays out the rest of the year. And one, one thing that I also find interesting that they haven't really done the rotations on the offensive line. I don't know if that's a Rob Sale decision or what. Like, but that, that's the thing Joe Judge talks every week. He talks like they're going to rotate every, every week. And then they haven't lately. It's, and you think they would have at left guard in particular. And Matt Parrott has basically just been relegated to a full-on backup role. And Wes um, Martin didn't play. Obviously, he just yeah. got – We asked him about, about Bredesen um, just now after practice. I said, so I presume Skurro will be the left guard. He'll be part – and then he says he'll be part of it with Wes yeah, Martin. Yeah. It's like, dude – there has been no part of it. Like, yeah, there's no yeah. part it's of one it. Guy. It's one guy, which is the way most teams Yeah, well, operate. I mean, I think offensive linemen prefer it that way, too. Of course. Um, and, yeah, so the, the offensive line, that, that's going to be, like, if, if you're looking at, you know, it's easy to overreact, especially for this team when they win. Like, it's easy to overreact to everything. So I'm, I think out of everything, I think offensive line is the, the one I'm least confident that can play as good as it did. I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. They clearly showed they're capable of playing well. And, they, and they've even – they haven't been terrible in any week. They've been – rough at points but like they've been you know a baseline of like pretty average or slightly below it even which is a step up from last year but um, I am very curious to see how that how that holds up uh, in the coming weeks um, and then the other side of the ball the defense uh, there's still some the pass rush is a huge concern um, pa- Patrick Graham has this thing where he refuses to talk about past games when we talk to him on Thursday so it's tough to like get anything of like why it's not he thinks it's not working they're not getting pass rush in any fashion they've they had zero hits and zero sacks against uh, the Saints. 
They had pretty close to that, I believe, against the Falcons. I think Ojolari had one sack. Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zyman, as Zyman is in particular, but both of them have just been complete non-factors. And these guys are playing most of the snaps at outside linebacker. Um, Leonard Williams has one sack. He's kind of back to, like, getting pressures but not sacks, which is fine if you have pass rushers around him, which they don't right now. And I just don't know where that pass rush is going to come from, especially, you know, Jabril's good as a blitzer, but he's hurt and he might not play on Sunday. Like, I, I just... It's just they just kind of have to roll with who they have. I don't know what they can do to, to change this up, but like, how big of a concern do you have with that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a concern for when you play, uh, you know, a quarterback who you can kind of rattle in the pocket. Obviously, Dak Prescott is one of those guys you have to pin in a little bit and maybe keep him from running, maybe more so than. Well, and uh, they have weapons all over the field. So. Yeah, maybe more so than just going after him. But there's going to be games where they can do the go after him approach, whether that's. Um, you think about Sam Darnold and, and the Panthers, who they're going to be playing in a couple weeks. Derek Carr, maybe, right? You can kind of go after those guys a little bit more than you can Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. Not just talking about their mobility, but the other yeah. things you mentioned, having to account for the guys down the field. So, uh, yeah, this is something. This is going to be like they use a cliche: the chicken, you know, chickens come home to roost type situation. Mm. Uh, whatever. It's going to it could bite them in the butt. Let's call. Let's be honest. Well, or whatever. well, that's why it's like it was hard to come out. I think that's why you come out of the Saints game and you see that the Giants were still seven point underdogs which maybe some people were surprised about, but the, the Cowboys, number one, have looked really good, like 3-1. and one. The Cowboys are a team that... Really good offense. The, the Cowboys are a team that's always going to have some games that they lose where you're like, what? Like, how, like Either they, they blow it at the end or they get destroyed by someone they shouldn't. So like, you can't rule out the possibility the Giants can beat them. I think they're, they're a tougher matchup than the Saints were, weirdly, because the Saints, you know, Jameis Winston has the ability... He actually played pretty well. They kept subbing him out for Taysom Hill for whatever reason, but, you know, he, he has the ability to, to beat you, but... You're not scared of Jameis Winston. The receivers are kind of nothing. It's all Alvin Kamara, and they contained Alvin Kamara to the point where he didn't get a single target, which is a credit to Patrick Graham. Um, but, yeah, they, they scare you less. They were without their left tackle and their center. The Cowboys have one of the better offensive lines. Like, if, if it might wind up being a high-scoring game, and I don't know if – we'll find out if the Giants have the juice to, like, match them point for point. Yeah, because as well as the offense played, let's be honest – Giants scored 21 points in regulation, and they yeah. wound up with 27. Oh, yeah. They got it overtime. all at the very end of the game, yeah. I mean, and I think I, I looked up the number. I was like, man, this is a lot of yards for the Giants. When's the last time they had this many yards? Was, I think it was 2019, right? But but then it was also an overtime game in 2019. So they got a lot. They got yards in overtime in the overtime drive. So yeah. will they, they be able to – can they get into the 30s? You know, and they, you know, say they still need they need to finish drives, and they, yeah. they just don't do that. And, it, and they, they still – I mean, this kind of goes back to a criticism judges had all year. He's kind of been mocked for because of some of his quotes last week. They still like play so conservatively in like high pressure situations. Fourth down in the in the opposing territory. It was fourth down, I think it was like fourth and three from the thirty nine yard line of the Saints, and they kicked a field goal. And they missed a field goal, but even if they had made it, it, it almost is irrelevant. Like that that's a situation you have to go for. I think they were losing at that point. I'm like, this isn't a team that should be playing it conservative. When you're a team that is losing, you should be taking risks and trying to like change things. And I just don't get Joe Judge's reticence for going for it on fourth down in the opposing territory. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those that you kind of scratch your head, for sure. Especially so. if it's going to be a high-scoring game where, you know, I know he says he trusts the defense, but the defense hasn't played as well. They're pretty banged up on the back end now. Um, you know, they don't really have anyone they trust at nickel corner. The Cowboys are going to, you know, line up C.D. Lamb in the slot. Like, they, they can't afford to <laughs> punt it away in situations. I know they, they want to play the field position game, but Dak Prescott will eat you alive. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance they're going to have to score 30 points to win this game and do it and win it in regulation so yeah you wonder can they do that because like you said I mean they're the Cowboys offensive line has the ability to let you know especially against a lackluster pass Giants pass us the ability to let Dak Prescott sit there 
back there and pick the Giants apart. And so that's got to concern Patrick Graham. I mean, it definitely has to concern him. Uh, even though he didn't want to talk about their poor pass rush last week, okay. I mean, it's still an issue. Yeah, and, well, and the other issue is they're, they're tackling. The PFF had them with 15 missed tackles. <laughs> they might have had 10 of them on the one Taysom Hill play where he scored. Yeah. Um, and it was an obvious issue. Tay Crowder tried – so linebackers coach Kevin Scherer explained it today. Usually you want the first guy to go for the tackle and the second guy to go for the strip, and they got the order wrong. And Tay Crowder tried going for the strip. So Taysom Hill basically threw him aside. He broke like three more tackles on his way to the end zone. They gave up. A, they had a lot of missed tackles that game. I think you're really seeing that they're missing Blake Martinez because he's a guy that just really didn't miss tackles. At the very least, he had issues. But so that that's something that, especially against Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, and those receivers, like these are guys that are going to break your tackles if you're not, you know, sound in your technique. And and that's a, that's a real big concern I have because they, they don't really have. They're going with all these young guys in linebacker now, and Blake's not coming back this year. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something that could be a liability when you have a, a kid like Crowder who gets a little overly eager in that spot and doesn't remember to do, let's be honest, the right thing. You yeah, know, yeah. He just did the wrong thing in that spot. So how, how do you see this game going? Uh, I can go take a look at my pick here. I sent it to you guys on uh, on Tuesday, so as we're going through it here. Um, I, I don't think I picked the Giants to win. I would have to – sorry, I'm just still going. Oh, sorry. Why don't you uh, – well, I haven't actually officially done my pick. I, I'm going to pick the Cowboys. I think the Giants can keep it close. I'll say 28-24. Um, I just think they're going to have a really tough – I know Amari uh, Cooper's banged up, but the Cowboys – the Giants defense hasn't shown me enough to believe they can shut them down. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, I can't find it in the email. But I'll I'll say um, – yeah, I'll say the Cowboys are going to score like uh, you know 31. I think the Giants maybe 24 or something like that. Low to mid twenties. I don't think the Giants can get to. You know, I talked about it. Don't think they can get to thirty. Uh, this Cowboys line is going to make things like really difficult on the Giants. I think in terms of giving Dak Prescott a lot of time. All right, we'll uh, wrap it up on that note. Uh, we're flying out to Dallas this weekend, and uh, we'll get you guys another episode next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed, and we'll talk to you soon.